What's up everyone? Welcome back to Off The Chain, the backbone for storytelling across builders, creators, and collectors within Web3. Each episode, we dive into how these technologists use the power of blockchain to build businesses and foster creativity. Today, we've got Chris Matter. Chris is a serial entrepreneur who is currently building Floor NFTs. With a recent fundraise of $8 million, Floor offers NFT portfolio tracking, real-time price alerts, live activity for collections, and multi-wallet support. Prior to Floor, Chris was the founder of Button, a New York-based startup building a marketplace of connected apps and also led mobile engineering at Venmo. During this chat, we dive into Chris's entrepreneurial journey, Floor's community-driven approach to marketing and product development, along with the future goal of using the app as an onboarding tool to bring the masses into Web3. Chris, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, man. Thanks for having me on your pod. Of course, of course. Happy Thursday. Glad to see we've got another New Yorker here. And thanks again. Really appreciate it. It's good to be here. Excited to chat. Of course. So, Chris, let's dive right into it. Tell us, who do we got here today? Tell us a little bit more about your background. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm one of the co-founders and CEO of Floor. We are in the Web3 space and we're trying to make NFTs more understandable and through it more accessible. And we're doing that in the form first of a portfolio tracker. This was a learning from my own personal journey in NFTs. It's really hard to get on board, but then even as you get on board, it's really hard to understand what you have and what that means and what it's worth and what else you can get access to from it. So we're solving the problem to begin with by creating your little pocket NFT buddy, the app that sits in your pocket uh, is your connection to today, your NFTs, but increasingly uh, understanding the world of NFTs. And as we get um, kind of the right data and the right uh, metaphors start to help to onboard people by helping new people understand that world as well. That is awesome. And so Chris, you're a serial entrepreneur. You previously built another business by the name of Button. You were also a lead engineer at Venmo. Would love to start chatting a bit more about the life of an entrepreneur. What are the main differences of the early days at Button versus the early days that you're now seeing at Floor? <laughs> yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I think about this from time to time. I think there's a couple kind of dimensions. Um, one is industry sector and kind of uh, not to say that button wasn't a passion project, but like web three is like a pure passion space for me. And then the other is, this is my first journey as CEO of like a venture backed company. And so that's definitely a different, um, kind of lens on the whole story. So like button, we were building B2B enterprise, our first customer was Uber. And so it's just like a very different, uh, while internally it feels kind of very frenetic and, you know, urgent. There's just like a very different pace of software delivery and learning and trying things out and being able to iterate. Um, and so I think the biggest change this time around is, you know, from seven years of learning about kind of building and measuring and iterating on products on like a multi-month to year time frame, being able to tighten those loops and iterate on a week to week, sometimes even day to day time frame, build really, really, really tight uh, measurement that drives really tight feedback loops. We have you know, 3,000 of our community members sat in a Discord with us, talking to us every day about what's working for them and what's not working for them. Just being able to uh, have this like really two-way 
customer relationship uh, every single day. Sometimes we can learn intra hour and change things before they even ever get shipped because you can like throw a wireframe into the discord, get some feedback. And so like the pace of customer feedback, the pace of the ability to change is definitely a lot faster, both in consumer versus B2B, but also in building uh, with a community versus like building as a company with uh, your customers on the outside strictly. Then the other is, you know, there's a lot of parts of building a company that you just don't see or think about unless literally the responsibility stops with you. And so um, I think probably I did not budget ahead of time in my mind enough of my time towards things that were not setting up the product or hiring the people directly, but rather kind of all of the other stuff that goes into making this a place that people are happy and successful and can thrive and feel supported. And, um, and so that's become you know, a big part of day to day as well. You know, what's interesting is I find that a lot of the community trusts floor, even if they don't even necessarily know what floor is, even if they don't have a pass yet, it has a very reputable persona on social. I think a lot of that is attributed to building and or really experimenting in public. Has that always been your strategy or is this something new and weird for you? A little bit of both. So back in the Venmo days, uh, and I got a little bit of a trouble for it when uh, PayPal had bought Venmo, I definitely favored you know, trying to, and as much as possible, both talk one-on-one with our customers, but also you know, just keep people in the loop as we're building things potentially before they're available for two reasons. One, I think any person who considers themselves a product person should be trying to get as much feedback from customers as possible. But number two, It's also how I personally self-identified and get a lot of my gratification. Like I personally really enjoy the feedback loop of showing someone something that we are making and getting positive or negative feedback with the knowledge that then we can go and make it better. That's like a thing I really enjoy. And it was a thing that actually I kind of got out of the habit of at Button because you know just enterprise B2B marketing software, Honestly, I think it would have been good if we'd have done a better job at this, but for whatever reason, I never quite figured out how to make that work in that setting. And so it's almost kind of a return to it, but it is a muscle that you have to retrain. Um, And I think it was really fortunate that for the first three months, you know, it was mostly just kind of me on evenings and weekends. And I basically had no one to talk to about it except people on Twitter and people in the Discord because it was just me. And so I started using them as like pseudo team members and some of them actually were helping out. Um, I think we've in total had 50 plus people in the discord, like collaborate in some way on the project, which is uh, super cool. It's really amazing. That's amazing. That's so great. And so let's now double tap into your intro a little bit more. Let's make sure people really understand what floor is. Walk us through what Floor is again one more time and what the product features are just so people truly understand. Yeah. So we started out with a really, really simple kind of single view app, which is you put in a wallet or a number of wallets and we'll show you all of the NFTs in that wallet or those wallets, um, how much they're worth right now and how that value has changed over time, both in terms of ETH value and in terms of USD value. And 
So the, the problem space that it fills in people's lives is, you know, typically if you find yourself going to OpenSea, you know, multiple times a day, having like multiple tabs, dozens of tabs, whatever it is, and checking in on floor prices, um, that is a problem that floor 100% uh, can solve for you. Uh, what we see is people using it not just for that, but you know, NFTs are not a purely financial asset class. Um, they have a lot of cultural value. You know, it's kind of like where memes and culture meet finances, which is very much the space that we were playing in at Venmo back in the day. It was like one of the first times that money and culture had really met in an interesting way. I think that NFTs are very much that again, but like on steroids and in a way that actually can be much more scalable and are a new paradigm to build with. And so we find that a lot of people use it to check in on financial value, but also like one of the most requested features was like, hey, can you remove all the money values? Because I also just want to like check in on my NFT friends. I want to like go look at the things that I spent money to acquire because I think that they're like cool assets that I want to be connected with. And then you can like jump straight into the communities of those NFTs with like quick links into the Discord and the Twitter feeds and stuff like that. And so like it's 50% your asset value and like the genius moron check, am I up, am I down? And the other 50% is like staying connected to the NFTs, the communities behind those NFTs. Then kind of as the product's grown, Today, uh, it's also a lot more about how do you discover new NFTs? Um, how do you understand what's going on in the world of NFTs? What's trending today? What's happening? What should you consider buying as a trader? Um, what are people who own things like you buying? So like communities that you might want to consider joining. And increasingly, it's very much going to be discovery oriented and social oriented around kind of what other floor users are doing and kind of how you can interact with that and learn from that. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because, you know, when I go on the app today, it is heavily analytical. It seems very geared towards traders. With that being said, you have either wrote somewhere or you on a podcast somewhere said that long term you see the app being more about soft onboarding versus this deep analytical tool. And it seems very far off just given where the product currently is, which from my perspective, it is about tracking portfolios. How do you transition and what does that product roadmap start to look like? At the foundational level, you have to build a product for a customer that exists. And today, particularly as we sit in a bear market, there is not a enormous wave of people looking for Web3 um, onboarding. And I, I think we're somewhat waiting for a new, another bear market, another bull market, sorry, or potentially just new use cases that actually prove the value of it. Because right now, NFTs are very early and a lot of it is just kind of like either for the meme or for the sake of being crypto. But we know that that's not going to be the case forever. And so right now we're focused on building something that gives us validity, credibility, and kind of influence in the space by serving the customer that actually exists today, which is largely traders. Uh, the vast majority of NFT ownership today is about speculation. There is a increasing subset of kind of utility-based tokens of which like floor is an early example, which is people hold their floor token, probably primarily not to speculate on its value, but rather to get access to the app and the community and there are an increasing number of things that uh, follow that pattern. 
but overwhelmingly the majority is speculation and trading. So we're, we're trying to kind of play that game of building for the customer that's there now with in mind the customer that we believe is going to be there and call it 12 months. You know, you can range that number wherever you, wherever you think it is, but let's use 12 months for funsies. And I think when you think about what some of those problems still exist, as soon as you have two or three NFTs, if you have, and I do believe that many people who onboard to Web3 will do so with financial speculation in mind, um, you still have the need to understand the value of those assets, but the value is probably a smaller part of that overall picture. And what matters more is the community and the benefits and being able to be connected to those things. But as you have a small portfolio like today, we want a world where your floor NFT could be your first NFT. Today, that intuitively makes no sense, right? Because Correct. it's an app that shows you all your NFTs. Like, okay, cool, now you have one F NFT. And am I, am I rich or not? That's, and, what, that's what it's showing me. Right. And so as you think about the world where your floor NFT makes sense, it's your first NFT, uh, which actually I think truly could be something that we see uh, later in the year. It really comes down to that kind of discovery journey into Web3. And so it's all about discovery features. And then when you have your first NFT, making that experience more special and letting you go deeper, even on the things that you have. Um, so something that I'm really excited about, we're actually not building it right now, but I think we will later in the year, is thinking about the problem, how do you pick your first PFP? I think there's like a really interesting, like jump in point, which is like people in Web3 are people who, whether they use it as their Twitter picture or not, have some kind of metaverse representation of themselves that they identify with. I think that's like a, probably a good kind of divisor of have you kind of been introduced to Web3 or not? Do you have some PFP that you're like, yeah, I'd use this as my avatar on some platform, whether that's you know as important as Twitter or not. And so how do you help people understand the concept of a PFP and choose what their first PFP might be, even like at whatever budget it is? Like you don't have to be buying a board ape. Um, there's actually, you know, one of the benefits of 2021 is there are so many collections now, like there's so much stuff out there. A lot of it is really, really cheap. And so helping to surface the stuff that is actually interesting and high quality. And importantly, this is something that's never really in existed before, indexing it in interesting ways to make it discoverable. Because today there basically are no discovery tools that are non-transactional. And the marketplaces do a horrible job at surfacing stuff that's actually interesting because they're transactionally oriented platforms. They're there to tell you what to buy right now or what is being bought and to let you buy it, not to kind of, not to culturally orient you. And so I think cultural orientation is gonna be the key uh, to being successful with that idea that your floor NFT is your first NFT. That's gonna take the form of a ton of different features and who knows, maybe we're wrong about the first one, maybe it'll be something else that works. But yeah, lots of, lots of work to do there in the next year for sure. I absolutely love the idea of you stating floor NFT being your first NFT. It's almost like that's like the slogan that's on the wall when you're going into the field coming out of like the dugout. That is such a solid vision and it's far from where you are right now, but it truly does make so much sense and it's grandiose but it's still such a solid North Star. So yeah, that, that just got me very excited to hear that. It's how can we make Floor NFT be your first NFT? So much rolls up under that. 
but it really does make it special. It opens up the door to a lot of different ideas, and it does what you originally said you wanted to do, which is to be an onboarding platform for people to get into NFTs and Web3. So, the OKRs write themselves, right? There we go. I love it. Put that in the next investor update. So let's talk about Floor being all over my Twitter feed last week. It wasn't just that you gave out some passes. There was a little bit of gaming involved. Can you tell us about how that came to life? Yeah, last week was fun. So last week we shipped actually a bunch of things um, that we've been working on. So we do a, a town hall every four to five weeks and... We've gotten into somewhere between a good habit and a bad habit of kind of saving up a few things for the past for the last few weeks of those periods and kind of dropping them all together at town hall. Um, it creates some stress, but it's also I think fun for people. Um, but the big one is something that we've been working on for literally many months, which is how do we start growing the floor user base um, while not removing the token gate, but also respecting uh, the token holdership and the supply of our existing tokens that our existing holders have and you know allowing them to say who the next users are and so what we came up with is a floor app pass which is in its kind of full form it's an on-chain referral and waitlist system where the first 5000 passes were airdropped to all token holders and all token holders essentially have a friend pass that they can and share with someone. And let's actually even make sure we fully understand it. Who had the original tokens? Because there's three different generations. So maybe if we talk about it like chronologically, it'll really help people understand where we were and, and where we're going. Yeah. So back in September, uh, when we very first started the project, we created uh, Gem 1 NFT which was like really an experiment that was designed to see, hey, there's 10,000 people who want the beta. We cannot have 10,000 beta customers right now. Um, let's let's find 500. And I did a Twitter poll and was like, hey, would anyone be interested in buying an NFT and like coming on the journey and you know, getting access to the betas? They sold out in a couple of days. Um, and I think that was about 250K-ish maybe at the time which then also helped kind of fund some of the early projects, some contract works and AWS bills, like that kind of stuff. Um, and so then maybe a month and a half later, two months later, uh, once the app was kind of stable and in a sane state, um, at NFT NYC, we launched another thousand tokens, um, which brought us kind of our next 800-ish users. I think there was some kind of people who bought uh, multiples and stuff like that. And that brought us to right around a thousand token holders. That was where the Discord became, you know, pretty lively, and and stuff started to get kind of really interesting from a community standpoint. Um, a lot of those Gem ones, though, were, and actually a lot of those Gem ones are still super active and are the people who are kind of most vocal in helping us build the product. Um, fast forward another few months, um, as we were kind of ready to grow, we had a a lot of um, we had a lot of interest in access after we had a couple of really um, successful partnerships. So probably in between Gen 2 and Gen 3 on right around late December, maybe early Jan, we launched a partnership with Creeps where we locked up 20% of all original supply to Creeps and made it exclusively available to floor token holders. Um, So the thousand people who were inside of floor uh, got 2000 uh, actually maybe a little more, maybe closer to 3,000 of the initial creep supply. 
for 0.007 ETH, 0.07 ETH, whatever it was, uh, those pretty much immediately uh, 50X'd. And so there was a lot of people from outside of Floor that were like, whoa, like how do we get into this thing? And so we released Gen 3 in late Jan. Um, that was 3,000-ish to 2,800-ish, I think, public NFTs. Um, and so that brought us to kind of where we've been up till now, which is a community of around three and a half thousand people. Um, the denomination between the tokens is basically we run a lot of partnerships and kind of access to various projects and your token is weighted. So Gem 1 gets six entries to token raffles, Gen 2 gets two and Gem 1 gets one. Um, so Gem 1 is kind of still this... Um, very kind of and that is also why the floor price is maybe 4x gen 1 floor price is about 4x what gen 2 is and i was really trying to understand that last night and a lot of it is it's not just the access to the app but it's access to the partnerships that your team is getting is that correct yeah i think that's the kind of rational pricing mechanism i think the the other kind of component is i think the prestige element of gen 1 is just like a little I think people think that if Floor is super successful long-term, that you know, all of those tokens, there's only like 5,000 Genesis tokens anyway, like all of those tokens will eventually become you know, valuable, but that the Gem 1s will be, um, and Gem 1 in particular, we actually hold a bunch of supply again. We, we rebought some. So there's a very number, small number of Gem 1 tokens in the world. And so fast forward, and I know we, we deviated a little bit, but I wanted everybody to know the full story. Fast forward to last week, and what happened was you gave your community access to give out passes to their community. Is that correct? Yeah. So... Everyone received one app pass for every floor token they held. Uh, we definitely have a lot of people who hold, you know, three, five, ten uh, tokens. I think maybe five to ten percent of people own more than one. And so we ended up with a bunch of people who had actually quite a few, um, but that everyone, everyone could bring one friend into the community. And what we said is anyone who shares one that subsequently um, leads to a new user of the app will actually just replace the token for you. And so essentially it's kind of a referral system where if you successfully onboard someone with your token, you get another token to onboard another friend. Um, and so that's been a little flywheel that's been going for the last uh, 10 days or so. It's onboarded quite a few new users, uh, but it's also made the Discord richer um, as people have been able to bring their friends into some of the Discord channels. And it's just made stuff a lot more energetic. It's been really fun. It's really cool to see people sharing their floor stories and like how floor was part of helping them get the confidence for their first mint or, you know, how the floor community treated them when, you know, they got hacked or whatever else. It's, it's been really cool to see the positive vibes. And so, you know, I've got one more community question. You say that you are an architect and designer of an incentive system for a community. What does that mean? Yeah, so this this was like one of the earliest learnings for me and Floor. Because while I, I like building in public, I've never designed a token economy before, for example. And I think what I didn't think about when I made Gen 1 was what I was really doing, which was taking the first act of creation in a token economy that was going to become complex. And 
was going to become important to people that weren't just me or the initial holders, but that would you know, be the foundation of an ecosystem. And so while, you know, we were getting started and building a product and I thought we were building like a NFT portfolio tracker product, there was kind of another product that we were implicitly designing, which was this token economy and this system and how, how it's going to sustain itself over time and how we're going to make sure that everyone feels good about uh, what happens inside of it. And now it's something that we think about with everything that we do. Like even as we think about growing, you know, we could turn away from the way that we've built up till now, which is very community oriented, very kind of referral uh, based. Like most people in floor when asked how they get there, will tell you that a friend recommended it and then they bought a token. Um, or we could like turn around and just go focus on paid marketing and build an acquisition funnel and, you know, make the app free for everyone. And, and that's just not, I think the path that we want to go. And so we wanted to build something that would, instead of reducing value from those token holders, give more value to those token holders and let them be part of the decision-making process of who comes in next. Um, and that was where app passes came from. And as we continue down this road, I think we're going to keep leaning into ways that put more power in the hands of people who are on the inside today to choose who's there tomorrow and to keep kind of making sure that we're respecting the place in the community that everyone has with their support up till now. Without yeah. going into the nitty gritty, obviously you're a, a private company. What are some of the top line goals that you're looking to hit in the next six to 12 months? And if you can't answer that, then what are some like assumptions that you're trying to prove out? Yeah, I, I think you know, some, some of the assumptions that we're trying to prove are almost like industry assumptions. So, you know, we want to be a dramatically bigger user base than we are right now in the next six months. And part of that is to disprove the idea that this is a cottage industry uh, that we sit in the corner of and to prove that there is a venture scale, like a real, real venture scale business here. And so what's interesting is we've chosen to forego a lot of revenue doing that. Um, so we, and I can share these numbers, they're all on chain. So I think up till January, we made something like two, two and a half million dollars uh, just in kind of token sales. And we've chosen now to kind of not sell tokens and instead focus on giving tokens away and making sure that we get tokens into the hands of existing holders and build the user base that way. We could probably have built a five to $10 million revenue line this year by focusing on growing more slowly and um, taking, like capturing revenue for bringing new users in. You know, it's a tougher in a bear market, but I, I think it's still possible. But rather we want to learn, is there the market for, you know, a million user version of this? And so that's really the, the focus is figure out how big can this thing be, figure out kind of how we can platform some of the social behaviors that we see inside of Discord in the product, um, figure out uh, how to create a sustainable economy around partnerships is like a big goal for us. Um, and just a lot to be to clear do. is We're partnerships, really when you say partnerships, 
is that strictly with like other PFP projects and having them give an allocation of their allow list supply to you? Or does partnerships mean other things in the world of floor? That's a great question. Um, we're actually going to be announcing a bunch of stuff in the coming uh, month. I think it might be a next town hall, which is in about three to four weeks. Uh, up until now, up until maybe three or four months ago, it was pretty much like mint partnerships. And, and today what we've tried to do is push mint partnerships actually as community source things. So we have a peer to peer, um, thing we call floor finds. Anyone can bring something to the community. There's voting, uh, as, as things, um, get minted, if, that thing mints and goes up the person who brought it gets rewards and stuff like that. But it's like a community oriented kind of system for people who want to, um, be part of that. We do do occasional large mint partnerships, uh, with projects that we believe in that are really, really strong. We'll only do that when one, the founders are doxed in KYC to us. Um, and number two, uh, where we both are willing to take and they are willing to give, uh, multiple thousands, uh, of initial allocation. So where we're basically going to take a big stake in the project, uh, increasingly the real like partnerships value that we've seen has been in partnering with other projects and platforms to give access. Um, so like right now, uh, I think watchtower future NFT mints and a couple others floor token holders get free access to, uh, based on holding a floor token. So we're definitely doing a lot of different style things. There's a bunch of really interesting changes to this coming up. I actually don't want to steal Zach's thunder uh, and pre-announce, but I think in a, a bear market definitely shows you that you need to think a lot more broadly than just mint partnerships in order to build something that has enduring value. Yeah. And let's also go back to the longer vision of floor, which is a platform that also brings in new users as well. And so, you know, maybe something to think about too, and I'm sure Zach, and I've spoken to Zach a few times, although not about nice. this, is, you know, maybe you do have a portion of those partnerships that are dedicated to the real DGENs, but then you also have a portion of those partnerships where someone who is new to Web3 would say, hey, I want that floor pass so I can get 20% off at L'Oreal, for example or maybe Figma, for example. And so you Figma, kind of- Figma's a good one. Figma would be cool. Figma would be cool. Or yeah, any like, sort of, any SaaS company where, yeah, maybe L'Oreal's a little bit too outside the box, but yeah, any sort of SaaS company that aligns with the current holders of Floor, but also pushes towards who are those new users that we do want to onboard. Yeah, I think a lot of that, speaks to another kind of broader question, which I wouldn't say we're struggling with, but I think is the time to identify is now, which is who, who is the target floor community member and what do they care about and what do they look to floor for? And you really need to be guided by those things in terms of like what you bring to people, because even a good deal or a good offer or a perk or whatever, we are like, why is floor doing this for me? Uh, is like kind of, Kind of weird and interesting so like for example another project that i'm involved in links now which mike dudas and i founded building kind of the set of perks and partnerships there is a lot easier because links now is a golf DAO. yes and callaway and golf perks. and golf courses and right 
And so it's just like really, really easy. The playbook writes itself with floor because we're kind of uh, sort of a meta thing. We're like an NFT thing about NFTs. Um, when you start to think about getting outside of the digital world, uh, it's definitely like a lot less obvious. I think there are some really interesting things to do and there's a lot of stuff we're pursuing. Um, but I, I think you need to start to kind of think about how you weave that together into a story so someone can understand your brand and like what yeah. floor is to them. Yeah, yeah, I rescind my L'Oreal uh, discount <laughs> offer. But no, I think with no, that, like, uh, you go. Uh, like I, I think like almost just any arbitrary example, like how do you make something that is appealing to someone who's not inside of the world of Web3 yet? Yeah, no, 100%. And, and I appreciate your your transparency with how you're thinking about that. And I even want to go back very quickly to how you're thinking about your revenue generation. You know, like hearing you say, yeah, we could have 2X our revenue very quickly, but we decided not to. Like that is a new way of VC back thinking. You know, a few years ago, it wasn't like that. It was grab the money as quickly as you can and run. It sounds very interesting and uh, it says a lot about you as a person and you as a founder, which is like, yeah, sure, I could cook our books, 2X our revenue, help me raise our next fundraising round, but what are we really building here? And that's ultimately what matters. And coming from your background at Button, where you were there for eight years, it's very clear that you're looking to build something very sustainable here. So again, just double kudos to you for being transparent and also wanting to build a very sustainable business. And um, with that, I think that's all I've got, Chris. Cool. Well, thanks for having me, man. And yeah, that like, was awesome. I definitely agree with everything you just said. Um, Want to build a sustainable business. I think to your point, sustainable businesses need to make money. Unfortunately, Chris's last answer and our goodbyes got cut off by some microphone issues. But I want to thank Chris so much for joining the podcast today. If you want to find Chris, you could find him at Twitter, Chris Mattern. And if you want to find Floor on Twitter, you can find them at Floor NFTs. Thank you all so much again for listening. Please subscribe and we'll talk to you next time.